0: You're listening to The Fashion Detour, presented by J-Tribe.
1: So guys, I'm very excited because this week we have a special guest. Her name is Arielle Klein. She is a jeweler and a gemologist, and she has her own business. How are you today? I am good. I am very youngest out and ready to
0: get back to real life.
1: Oh, oh my goodness. I can't, I, I don't know. I'm a little scared about getting back to reality, but uh, you know, are all good things come to an end.
0: <laughs> I hear you, but you know what? Everyone needs to go back to school. Everyone needs to go back to work. I need like my quiet office again and my house to be like back in order. I'm very ready. Very oh, ready yeah. for everyone I, to be out.
1: I know what you mean. Where do you live, by the way?
0: So I live in Long Island um, in a little town called West Hempstead um, oh. for people who are familiar. Yes.
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I, well, I know where it is. But um, So I wanted to know, you are a gemologist by training. So what got you interested yeah. in the field?
0: So it's actually one of those stories where it wasn't, you know, planned in any way, shape or form. I happened to be working for Lord & Taylor. Um, The economy was like tanking and I was newly married and I was still like figuring out what I was going to do with my life. And I really thought that I was going to go to law school. Um, And I just decided that with what was going on, I I didn't want to anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of just got myself a job at Lord & Taylor and it was at the time that they were launching their new jewelry department that was in-house up until that point. It had been a concession and another brand paid to rent space from them and they, you know, had a cut up, they shared, shared in the profits. And at that point they were bringing it in-house and they brought me in kind of to work in their jewelry department and I got really interested in it and I decided that I wanted to work in jewelry appraising so I went to GIA, which is the Gemological Institute of America. Um, and I got my diamond and colored stone certificate. Um, mm-hmm. And then I just started working in the field and, you know, started basic in the stone room at David German, And then I moved on to doing some appraising for a couple of different organizations. And that's really how I got started. So it was really just one of those, I fell into it. I wasn't planning it. It wasn't any kind of, trajectory. It was just one of those being at the right place at the right time and finding something that I found really interesting and different and unique.
1: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And do you feel like any of your experiences um, were the most, you know, what would you say it was the most influential experience or the experience that you enjoyed the most since you were, you know, since you started?
0: So, I mean, I think really appraising taught me a lot about what to look for in terms of quality and craftsmanship. Um, It taught me a lot about working directly, you know, client facing. Um, I think sales did that as well. Um, And I really got an an entree into that by working directly with people and learning so much and seeing so many different kinds of jewelry um and it definitely ignited a passion in me for antique and estate jewelry which i already had but it solidified that um that you know i saw that the craftsmanship was on a different level than the stuff that for the most part was being mass produced and sold in the average department store and jewelry store today so that was definitely the highlight um i still love doing that i still go to clients houses when they have large estates um i don't do individual appraisals anymore But I do do large estate appraisals and, you know, I love going through 80, 90, 100 pieces of jewelry and helping people figure out what's a value, what's not a value, how they're going to sell it, what they're going to get for it. Um, You know, it's just really an interesting thing that I get to do and that I get to help people with and help them, you know, find what's usually very often a nice sum of money from all this stuff that they inherited from someone else that maybe is not their style, not their taste, not something they want. So,
1: Yeah, and I can relate to that in the sense of I love, you know, vintage and I love finding something that you'll, you know, you'll never see again or you won't see coming and going. So I could see how it's probably very exciting for you to uh, find something really rare and it's just special.
0: Exactly. So So, in my personal collection, most of my pieces are state and antique pieces. Um, You know, I really love that they're unique and different, and they're not going to be the same thing that every other person has. You know, there's always going to be trends. There's always going to be trendy jewelry that everybody has and everybody wants, but I always want kind of my jewelry to tell a very personal story, Um, and I find that when you have, you know, estate and antique pieces, you're able to better portray that kind of the same way as with vintage clothing. It's kind of the, sort of the same idea.
1: yeah. So can you describe what a gemologist does?
0: So gemologists can do a variety of things. Some gemologists work um, in a lab like GIA. GIA is both an educational institution and a lab. Um, If you've heard of a GIA certificate, that is issued by the GIA laboratory um, in New York. They also have their main campus, which is in California. And so what they do is they train people to grade diamonds, colored stones, identify them. You know, sometimes you have a stone and it's a colored stone and you don't know what it is. You know, there are multiple different stones that can be the same color, have a similar look. A gemologist is trained to know the difference um, based on a variety of factors. They're they're trained on knowing the color and clarity of diamonds. Um, They're trained on separating synthetic diamonds which is becoming a bigger and bigger issue in the industry because it's infiltrating more and more, and it's become harder and harder to tell the difference between lab-created diamonds and earth-mined diamonds. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one part of what they do. Very often they work in jewelry stores. They work hand-in-hand with clients and with the jeweler who is creating the jewelry to help people create custom pieces of jewelry. They also work um, as appraisers, both for insurance purposes, for estates, for fair market value appraisals, which is kind of what I was talking about before where you go through somebody's estate. Um, Sometimes they work for insurance companies. It really can run the gamut. Um, Occasionally they also work for mining organizations who are mining gemstones. So there's really a lot of different things that you can do. Um, But I would say majority of gemologists are either working in the appraisal field or in the retail jewelry field. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and what's a typical day like for you?
0: So for me, I mean, it's really just going through my emails and figuring out, you know, what projects I'm going to be tackling. Everything I do is custom. So clients reach out to me and they kind of tell me what it is they're looking for, what it is that they want. Um, and then I kind of start working on ideas, proposals, everything that I can come up with. Um, And once we have, you know, a plan in place for exactly what they want, we have everything approved. If we're going to go custom, custom, meaning we're going to use computer animated design, which is called CAD, um, Mm. then we're going to go and we're going to create a CAD casting, you know, a CAD um, rendering, not a casting, a rendering. And then, you know, the client will approve it, will tweak it until it's exactly what they want. And then, of course, it'll go to be printed, casted, um, and ultimately polish, finish, set, et cetera, um, and deliver it to the client. If it's something that we're not casting and we're not custom custom making, like we might be using prefabricated pieces like settings that already exist and sourcing the stones and putting different pieces together to create a custom piece, mm. then obviously, you know, I will bring options to the client um, and they'll approve it. So it's really a lot of back and forth with emails and phone calls and in-person appointments um, and day-to-day really, really changes. Um, And of course, you know, I try to be active on my social channel because before I even started my own business, I was a jewelry blogger and I still like to promote jewelry brands and kind of bring attention to lesser known, smaller designers that people might not be aware of existed. So I'm always trying to do that as well and just really like curating what inspires me and, you know, what I find interesting and trying to share that love of jewelry so that people realize how much jewelry can be a style statement, um, and also just a very personal reflection of who you are and the kind of persona that you want to present to the world. Yeah,
1: and uh, you definitely sound like you're uh, kept on your toes, and uh, you're very busy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Would you, have you had challenges when working with a client? So, you know, client
0: work is incredibly wonderful and rewarding, but it is also very challenging. Um, you know, often people have this idea of, you know, a certain budget and they're not really in tune with what things actually cost. So I very often have to come to a client and say, I know you want X, but it's not going to happen for price Y. Mm. So, you know, let's think if, if price Y is the only thing we can do, then let's think, you know, what else we can do. And very often clients will change their mind and say, well, I could actually spend this much and, you know, that was what I thought. So that's that's really the biggest issue I would say we run into is that, you know, people don't really realize that, especially right now, gold is actually very high. Mm. Um, it has gone up exponentially in the last couple months to the last past year. And so it's more than people often realize. And especially if you want a quality piece, um, you know, you're going to want to make sure that you factor that in to the price you're paying because I've always said this to people, you get what you pay for. And so, you know, when you buy that $500 ring, be aware that you might have a lot of issues with it. And, you know, I've had that happen with clients where like that's what they wanted and that's who you we went with.
1: And it yeah. was just
0: constant, constant repairing of a piece, you know, because the stones would fall out, the craft and just went there. So I will no longer sell those pieces and I will no longer work at those price points because I want my clients to be happy with the pieces that they have. And I just feel that, you know, jewelry is one of those things where craftsmanship is very, very important. And you get what you pay for 100%. Wow.
1: And what would you say is your favorite part of your job?
0: So, I mean, I really, one of my favorite parts is I often work with a lot of engaged or getting engaged couples. Mm -hmm. Um, I also work with a lot of people who, you know, have a piece of jewelry that's been sitting in their drawer for years and they just don't love it, whether it's their engagement ring or it's something else. Um, So I love being able to help them, you know, come up with a vision and create a custom piece that they're able to wear and feel good wearing and that they look at and it brings them joy every single day. Um, It's really nice to be a part of people's love stories, so to speak. You know, I love that aspect of helping a couple choose an engagement ring. It's, you know, the biggest purchase a couple makes together when they you know decide to embark on a life together um it's obviously you know a very important part of the process of getting married um and so you know that's a really special thing for me that i get to be part of all these processes of people picking out the engagement ring and putting it together and you know just being there for that and kind of being a party to that
1: sounds like a lot of fun um yeah and it's, it's cute because, I mean, do you ever get the sense that, like, the, the guy doesn't necessarily know what the girl wants or, you know, vice versa? Does that ever come up?
0: So more and more I have someone on the girl's side, whether it's the girl woman herself, her sister, her best friend, you know, talking to me first and kind of giving me a very clear idea of what they want. Um, and then it's kind of like the guy doing, you know, talkless, you know, the most important stuff, so to speak, where they're paying for it. And right. I kind of always joke, you know, that I, I offer the husband special, which is, you know, the husband or the boyfriend or the fiancé pays for it and the girl picks it out. Yeah. Um, and so that's often a lot of times what I do, especially when it comes to engagement rings or recess or things like that. I'm working directly with the female half of the pair. Um, And then, you know, once she's picked out what it is she wants, I'm, you know, liaising with her husband or her fiance or whoever it is, you know, to work out the payment details. Um, So that definitely does happen like that. And guys definitely are very, very clueless, which is one of the reasons why I like doing what I do, because I want women to get jewelry that they love. And I want women men to be able to give the women in their lives jewelry that they're going to wear and appreciate instead of throwing money down the toilet on jewelry that like she throws in a box and never looks at it again because it, she's horrified by it. So, you know, yeah. that's definitely a fun part of the process for me is just kind of like holding their hand and like getting them through that process and finding that perfect piece for them.
1: Yeah. So important question. What is one piece of jewelry that you can't live without?
0: So I have, um, there are two pieces actually that are, two of my favorite pieces that I wear all the time. One of them is an estate um, yellow gold bangle that has diamonds all over the top. Um, you know, it's really got sort of like that vintage look. It's thin gold bangle, and it goes with everything. I can dress it up. I can dress it down. Um, it was one of the first pieces I bought for myself when I was appraising. Someone was, you know, getting rid of all of their wife's jewelry. Unfortunately, she had passed, and their loss was my gain. Um, And that is one of my favorite pieces. You'll always see me wearing that. And I also have a um, diamond and sapphire panther ring um, Mm. that my husband bought me after my second son was born. Um, And that is a very treasured possession of mine. And people are always looking at it and asking me about it. They find it very unique and interesting. It's really different. Um, And I wear that pretty much all the time. So those are probably my two pieces that I really couldn't live without.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds, they they both sound beautiful. Are you, uh, would you consider yourself like an earrings girl, a necklace girl? Like what, what do you gravitate towards?
0: So, I mean, really my favorite thing is rings. Um, I think, you know, if you are engaged or married, you know, having a nice engagement ring that you feel good about and that makes you happy is really a nice thing to have. I, you know, reset my engagement ring for my 10th anniversary, and I really love it. I loved it from the get-go, but I love it even more now. So I think, you know, if you're unhappy with that, definitely that's something that people should do. Um, and other rings, you know, I have a variety of rings, and I love changing it up. Um, I think that the beauty of rings for me, you know, earrings, necklaces, bracelets, bracelets a little bit more than the other two, you don't really see them on yourself. But when you see rings, not only do you get to enjoy them, but everyone else sees them too. You know, and a lot of us, we talk with our hands, we're expressive, um, we're on our phones, we're typing. So your hands get a lot of eye time. And so I feel like a ring makes a lot of statement. Our eyes are drawn to them more so than any other piece. And I like being able also to admire the jewelry I'm wearing. And I find that with a ring, that's obviously easiest to do.
1: Oh, I never thought of it that way. So that's, really interesting so I'm curious you I mean I know you do design because you're designing something for you know a client would you ever Mm -hmm. consider you know designing a collection
0: so I've been in talks to do that for a little bit of time now Um, it's really finding the right partner um, and coming up with a variety of pieces I'm not a classically trained designer. Um, So it's really more that I come up with ideas and then kind of have someone execute them. But I'm very open to doing a collection, and that's probably my next project and my next step that I would go in the direction of. Mm.
1: And do you feel like, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not artistic in the sense of, you know, sketching and drawing and things like that. So, you know, um, I don't know if that's something that you, you know, you do, or you enjoy, or you would rather have the ideas and then translate them to someone to to create? So I'll I'll roughly
0: sketch them out. I'll write out what sort of stones I want to see, what sort of metals I want to see used in the piece. Um, But it's definitely not anything that's up there with some of the, you know, beautiful designs that you'll see like a classically trained jewelry designer be able to sketch out. So it's really, you know, more of me like doing a very rough sketch. And then kind of translating those ideas onto paper. Sometimes it's finding an image and manipulating that image. Um, Sometimes, you know, it's just communicating with the person who's doing the rendering or the person who's doing the casting what it is that we want. Um, So, you know, it, it really spans the gamut. But I definitely am not artistic in the sense of having drawing talent. I would say my talent is very rough um in that sense that's okay I can totally relate <laughs> um, right. I mean I would
1: say I have the eye I have exactly. more of an eye than anything else yeah. right and and the imagination and that's really important so right. I, I would I'll definitely be looking forward if you you know if that comes to fruition I'll be looking forward to seeing it um so what are your favorite color gemstones so I have a few,
0: um, I really love color gemstones. They're always my, you know, first love. Um, you know, I think they're super unique. They're super expressive. Um, you know, they, they can really take your outfit to a whole new level. Um, so I would say, you know, I've always been a really big fan of tourmalines,
1: particularly,
0: mm-hmm. you know, um, Rubelite or, you know, sorry, not rubellite. sorry. Um, pink tourmaline, which is, you know, comes in a variety of shades. Sometimes they're really electric, beautiful pink. Um, and I love that. And I also love chrome tourmaline, which is sort of like a deep green tourmaline, and indicolite, which is like a blue-green. Um, tourmaline comes in a lot of different colors, and it's a really beautiful stone. It happens to be my birthstone. So it's up there for me. I would say also opals, which are my other birthstone. Um, mm-hmm. I'm an October baby, so my birthday just passed. Um, I'm a big, big fan of those, especially the lightning ridge and the blue opals, you know, the really beautiful opals that have that um, phenomenal play of colors. What it's called all Those different colors sparkling on the surface. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say my other favorites are rutilated quartz, which is to me just a really unique gemstone in that it's crystal quartz, which is just a clear gemstone, Mm -hmm. but it's got these gold, what's called rutile needles. They're actually an inclusion. Um, but they make the stone really beautiful. And to me, I love that because I think of all of us as, you know, we all are full of inclusions. But sometimes it's kind of like those are the things that make us unique. Those are the things that make us beautiful. And I love to see that represented sort of in a gemstone. So that's really up there in terms of my favorites.
1: Wow. And happy birthday. <laughs> Thank happy you. Birthday. Um so and going back to what you were saying about your blog, what propelled you mm-hmm. to start your blog?
0: So I've always loved writing. I've been writing since I'm, you know, in like, third grade, second, third grade, I started writing little stories. Um, and, you know, when I first started blogging, I had another blog called bargain Jewess, and it was all about um, bargain fashion and bargain fashion signs. And then, you know, over time, I just got really busy, and it just kind of died a very, like, uneventful death. Um, And as I got into jewelry, I realized that I had a lot that I wanted to say. There was a lot that I wanted to voice. I just felt that there wasn't enough information, education. People knew so little. So I felt like a blog is a really great platform to both educate people and, you know, give them sort of the knowledge and the power to buy jewelry as an informed consumer and also as a really great way to spotlight really interesting people in the industry who were creating really beautiful pieces, who were doing interesting things, who, you know, were unique. It wasn't sort of like either mass market or super high-end houses that everybody knows their name. You know, it was a way for, for there to be a place for people to shine and like one of the series that I did was called women who gem and it was really like all different women within the jewelry space because traditionally jewelry has always been a very male dominated industry um, 47th street especially and you know more and more women are really just trailblazing and starting their own companies and making jewelry for women by women um, and putting out great products and changing the industry and the face of it and how we buy jewelry and how we consume jewelry. Um, today versus how people consume jewelry 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So I think that that's interesting and it's unique and it's, you know, really changing the face of the industry, which is very, very, very much undergoing a lot of change.
1: Wow. And I mean, I'm, you know, I saw, you know, on your blog, you have how to clean and care for your jewelry. So that's, you know, that's a great, you know, I'm a lot of us don't, you know, don't know nobody knows
0: <laughs> exactly. Nobody knows, and I can't tell you how many people come over to me and tell me to use toothpaste to clean their ring. And I don't know where this idea started or why people think that that's something you should do. Yes, it does work on sterling silver. It does not work on your jewelry. Please don't do it. I'm begging you. Um, check <laughs> out my blog post on how to do it. It's really simple. Um, you know, and cleaning your jewelry on a regular basis extends the wear, extends the life, and it keeps it looking sparkling and beautiful, you know? Like, nobody wants a dull diamond or a dull piece of jewelry. It's not very exciting when your jewelry is flat and devoid of life. So cleaning it, checking, you know, the clasp, checking the prongs, doing these things really will extend it and allow it to be you know, that family heirloom that you're able to pass down to the next generation. So, and 100% people have no idea and they're not told this kind of stuff when they buy it. Very, very few jewelry stores are telling people, this is how you should take care of it. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. So I really want people to know that so that they really can take care of those pieces because, you know, jewelry can last a very long time if it's properly taken care of.
1: Yeah. And I mean, do you, do you not like, fake jewelry like how do you feel about the So i
0: personally love costume jewelry i think it's fabulous i think there's a time and there's a place for it um there is some very well-made high-end costume jewelry um that fetches a tremendous amount on today's market that's vintage and antique um most of what is being put out today i would say is not on that level but you know you Mm -hmm. have a brand like miriam haskell if you've ever heard of them um some of her pieces fetch thousands of dollars you know her stuff from the 50s and 60s is all costume jewelry but it's incredibly well made and incredibly beautiful so i definitely think there's a time and a place um you know but i think that fine jewelry is just it's a you know in some respects it's a precious commodity especially certain colored stones especially gold you know there's a finite amount of those things in the world um you know it takes a long time and a lot of very specific conditions for those things to form and so I think you know in terms of like commemorating special occasions in terms of having like touchstones I think you know fine jewelry is the way to go but I personally love costume jewelry and I think it has its place as well and I you know I'm not against it in any way, shape, or form. I think that it really can, you know, enhance your wardrobe and be a lot of fun and, you know, be on trend and be a great way to have something that maybe is very trendy that you wouldn't want to invest in in real gold and gemstones.
1: Yeah, and how do you tend to, like, to, to keep your jewelry or organize it?
0: So I actually have a mirrored velvet lined jewelry box with multiple tiers that all kind of come off. Um, it's actually from the container store. They have some really great jewelry storage. It's really important that every piece of jewelry has kind of its own home. Um, velvet lined is also really important because jewelry can scratch itself. It can scratch other pieces. You kind of don't want that. Um, I mean, diamonds are hard to scratch, but a lot of other gemstones, so gold, they can get dented, scratched, etc. So you kind of want a special place where you could keep it. I also have um, a custom ring holder that was made by um, a company that does these amazing custom ring holders that look like crystal formations. Um, Mm -hmm. She does really cool stuff. So I've got like multiple, like, I guess you would call them fingers that I keep my rings on and each, you know, finger has a different ring. Um, And it basically looks like four or five different crystals coming up from like a flat base. So it's, Really cool. Um, but definitely investing in some jewelry storage, especially something that is satin, velvet, some sort of soft material and lined is a really, really good idea to extend the life of your jewelry, especially for organic gems like pearls, which, you know, need extra care, more so than gold and diamonds and gemstones. Mm.
1: So, so pearls are more um, fragile or delicate?
0: Correct. So... When you think about jewelry, you have organic and inorganic. Most jewelry is inorganic because it doesn't come from a living creature. Pearls, on the other hand, come from a mollusk. They come from a clam. So, you know, over time, they will break down. Pearls won't last forever. You know, they may last a couple hundred years, but they will eventually disintegrate. That's just their nature. Hmm. So when you take care of pearls, you want to go out of your way to kind of, take extra special care of them. You never want to wet them because the spring that's inside the pearls doesn't do well with water. Um, You want to just use like a soft cloth and buff them. You want to put your perfume, your deodorant, your hairspray, any sort of anything that you're spraying on your body before you put those pearls on. Because what those those things do is they actually discolor the pearl. They damage the nacre because the pearl is literally made of layers of nacre, um, which is what gives it that iridescence. And so, you know, you really want to avoid doing those things. This was something that I learned way before I got into jewelry. I got, I learned it on my 21st birthday when my grandmother gave me her own pearls that yes. were, you know, from my father's bar mitzvah. Um, she had, you know, a pearl and diamond necklace and a matching pair of earrings that my grandfather had bought her. And she gave me very strict instructions. And it came in its own satin and velvet pouches. And... You know, I always kept that with me and I always pass it on to my clients and to my readership that, you know, pearls take extra special care, um, you know, and if you preserve them, they really will last. But if you don't, you'll see those pearls where they kind of turn that sort of yellowish shade or like where they sort of, you know, the nacre starts to rub off. All those things happen from not properly taking care of them. So
1: they definitely need extra special care. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, that that's uh it's really good to know. Um and you would probably ha- be horrified if you saw, you know, how I keep my jewelry. So that's go that that could be my new year's resolution. Um
0: Exactly. Invest in jewelry storage. Your jewelry will thank you.
1: <laughs> yes. And so I always find it interesting when I have a piece of jewelry and I'm trying to revolve my outfit around it. Do you see a connection between jewelry and fashion? And how do you kind of, you know, balance it out?
0: So I definitely feel like 100% there's a connection between the two. Um, In both my fashion and jewelry lives, I kind of like to take risks and push the envelope. But not everybody is like me. I mean, I like to mix metals. I like to mix gemstones. Um, you know, sometimes I like to pile it on and sometimes I don't, it depends, you know, sometimes I can wear like two or three necklaces. Sometimes I'll wear anything. I'll just wear earrings. Um, but definitely they coordinate. I think that it's important that every woman has like her classic pieces that she can always wear, whatever those are for her, whether it's, you know, a bracelet and a basic pendant and a pair of basic studs or whatever it is, you know, her basics, and then kind Mm -hmm. of you build from there. You know, kind of like how, you know, you need to have a black pencil skirt and a trench coat and a great pair of boots and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And those are your basics. And then you kind of just add in hair and add in there. It's the same with jewelry. So, you know, having a few classic pieces will serve you really well and allow you to kind of build from there to more interesting and unique pieces or even just taking those classic pieces and kind of just going with a unique take on them. Um, I think is important. And then you really can incorporate it into any outfit. And obviously people should always consider their own personal style. Like for me personally, I, like I said, I like to push the envelope. I like big flashy things, but not everybody does. So obviously people should go with what they like.
1: Definitely. And how would you describe your personal style?
0: So my personal style is I am attracted to all things. Shiny. All things, you know, sparkly. People are always telling me that I'm sparkly. I love color. I love texture. Um, I'm a big leopard fan. I have, like, more leopard shoes than is normal for a person to have. You know, if there's something leopard, I'm going to run to it. Um, anything gold or rose gold. So, you know, I like to sparkle. I like to stand out. I don't like to stand in the corner. And so if something has, you know, bedazzling or jewels or glitter or sparkles, I'm all over it. You know, for me, that's that's my favorite. Lots of texture, lots of color, lots of pattern.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I've, in terms of the jewelry, I've always been, you know, in general, I've always been like a clothing person. Like, I, I was right. always a little bit scared of accessories. I don't know why. <laughs>
0: I think that that's very common. I really do. I don't think you're alone in that. And I think that a lot of people feel like, There are rules, and there really aren't. Like, think of jewelry like fashion. It's really the same. And just find the pieces that speak to you and express yourself. And I think that people will be so much happier instead of buying the same studs, the same eternity band that everybody else has. You know, some people want that, and that's great, but a lot of people don't. And I think that, you know, go find what speaks to you and just wear it the same way you would wear the clothes that speak to you.
1: That's, yeah. That, that's true. And I mean, for example, you were saying you liked, like to mix the textures and the colors. So you're, you're saying wearing silver and gold together, is that, is that a big no-no or is that okay?
0: In my opinion, it's absolutely not a no-no.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: I say go for it. I mix white gold and yellow gold and rose gold and I mix them all the time. You know, sometimes I'll be wearing a yellow gold earring and a white necklace, or I'll be wearing gold jewelry on my bracelet and my ring, and then my earrings will be white gold. Um, I'm a big proponent of mixing things. I like two-tone. I like tritone. Um, you know, I think that it's all fun. Not everybody likes it. It's not for everybody. And again, it all comes down to personal preference. But I, I think that there like there are no rules anymore in fashion, and white is year-round, and you know, everything has changed. The same goes for jewelry. Wear what makes you feel good. Wear what you like, and forget the rules because rules are made to be broken.
1: Wow, I like you. I I, I like you already. <laughs> so, um, and and a question that that clients have asked is, what do you do when you're wearing a statement necklace? Can is it right. that can you only wear small studs, or can you wear a lot? You know big earrings and a big necklace together? So
0: again, I really think it depends on the person. A person who is very petite has to be aware of the fact that they can look overwhelmed in a lot going on. Whereas a person who is tall and has stature can carry off different things. So I I think for most people, you know, it's pick one or the other statement earring or statement necklace. I think both together can be a lot. Um, but I think it also depends on the statement earring and the statement necklace. Sometimes you have two that work together, and they work together really well. Um, I think more often than not, though, you just want to draw attention. Because just like with fashion, you want to draw the eye to one place. And if you have too much going on, the eye doesn't know where to go. So if you're if it's your neck. And it's like the beading of your dress, or whatever it is you want to draw the eye up. You're going to want to draw it to your neck. You know, if you want to draw the eye sort of to your face, you're going to want to you know do the earrings. Um, you know, you really want to put the focus on one piece and not have it compete too much for attention. But again, it's you know an individual case by individual case.
1: Yeah, I that yeah that that basically makes a lot of sense and. Do you have any favorite designers that you gravitate towards? So, like I said, I really like
0: estate and antique pieces. So a lot of the estate and antique designers, you know, I really love like David Webb and Raymond Yard um, and Jean Schlumberger, you know, did designs for Tiffany. And obviously these are all really high end pieces. You know, you can buy them at the antique show that happens here in New York. For people who are in New York, they have antique shows all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, those are very high-end pieces. There are some really unique designers um, doing very cool stuff um, out of Israel. There's a couple of young female designers like um, Ruta Riefen and Alina Glazer um, who are just doing really, really cool hand-casted, hand beautiful, fine jewelry um, Tel Aviv is actually a really, really great place to find some really cool and really unique stuff. Um, and you know, there's, there's a couple of American designers whose stuff I really like. One of the designers who's been on my mind lately is Emily Kuven. She's here in New York. Um, she has some very cool and unique sort of like starburst kind of pendants and they come with different gemstones They can be done in silver. They can be done in gold. Um, her stuff is really interesting. And I mean, there's so many, honestly, you know, if you check out, my blog you can see that there's been a lot of designers over the years who I've highlighted. Um and really it it's there's there's just too many for me to even just like go out there. You know, I don't have a particular favorite for me. It's just if a piece is calling my name, you know, that's the piece that I'm gonna gravitate towards regardless of who designed it.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's just like what what's really amazing is the amount of creativity that's out there. So it's just really fascinating. I mean, I just went to a jewelry making workshop in Philadelphia over mm-hmm. with my daughter and it was for it was kind of like a fifteenth birthday, you know, um bonding thing. Right. And she had a I mean, she had such a good time. She loved just she's very artistic actually and she's self taught. But anyway, and just like listening to the um the designers there it's called for uh it's called forge and finish there we go okay okay so still working forge and finish and i mean they don't do i don't think they do you know i don't know if they use um if it's fine jewelry but it's just just listening to them talk about you know their inspiration like one of their one, one, one collection was inspired by by water and fluidity and just, like, and then you see the actual piece and it all clicks and it all comes together. And it's just amazing how you can have something Absolutely. so, so um, what's the word, like, not vague, but, like, ethereal and, like, something that you can't even, like, put to words or necessarily, yeah. it, but then you create something out of that. That's just, it's really cool it's pretty cool. The, the
0: creativity that's existing now and, you know, the fact that you can take these ideas and put them to paper and sort of create a wearable piece from an idea in your head is, it's an amazing thing. Um, and I think we're seeing more and more of that um, where people are, you know, putting out unique pieces and things that are really different. Um, and there really are some incredible designers who are doing that. And it's just, it takes your breath away when you see it. Really.
1: Yeah. And is that um, that's probably one of the current trends. But what are there other trends for jewelry and gems?
0: So I mean, the biggest thing I would say is yellow gold and rose gold are still going really strong. You know, for a mm. long time it was all about white gold. You know, especially in the '90s and early 2000s, it was everything was white gold, and then we started to have this kind of return of yellow gold. Um, And now rose gold and they're just as hot as ever. And more and more people are choosing to go, you know, the yellow gold and the rose gold route. Um, I think that we're going to continue to see a lot more gemstones. Gemstones are really popular. Um, They're a little bit more affordable than all gold and diamond pieces, which I think is, you know, kind of a trend in jewelry right now. People are buying jewelry from themselves. They want, you know, pieces that are price pointed that, you know, make sense for their lifestyle. Um, And colored stones are really great for doing that. Um, I think also in terms of engagement rings, we're seeing a lot of engagement rings. I mean, if you browse on Instagram, you'll see there's a lot of companies doing moistenite engagement rings, which is a diamond alternative. Um, You'll see a lot of companies doing colored stone engagement rings. So I think that those are all trends that are going to continue. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that we're just going to keep continuing to see more of it just based on you know, the climate and the economy and everything that's going on in the world right now. So
1: are, are, do you think that they're choosing to use the other stones instead of the diamonds because it's less expensive? Is that, you know, the reasoning? So I think, I think price point is part of it. I think there are also a lot of people
0: who are uncomfortable with the idea of diamonds for a variety of reasons, whether they Mm -hmm. have um, eco-conscious concerns which really mind diamonds aren't any less eco-conscious than a diamond created in a lab but there's this idea that they are um, which has been pervasive um, and I think just, there are a lot of people who feel that you know diamonds aren't them you know people more and more want something that is uniquely them and colored gemstones give rise to that and also we've seen a lot of celebrities several people in the royal family have had colored gemstone engagement rings. Um, several celebrities have had colored gemstone rings. So I think it kind of brings it to the forefront and it makes it more socially acceptable that more people are kind of saying, well, I'm not really a diamond person. I would much rather have a ruby or mm-hmm. a sapphire or, you know, something really different and unique.
1: Well, yeah, and uh, it's, it's just nice, you know, like there, there's options and people can, you know, choose what speaks to them like you said exactly and where do you see the uh, industry going and do you feel like there could be an improvement
0: so i think that jewelry right now is going through a um some growing pains i think that you know we don't have the aspirational shoppers of the 80s and the 90s. The economy isn't what it was when people were buying in the 80s and the 90s. Um, you know, that's changed a lot now that we're, you know, going into our second decade, you know, our third decade, actually, excuse me, of the 2000s. Um, and that I think we're, we're going to see that jewelry is going to get smaller but better. I think you've got a lot of businesses that are unfortunately closing because they just don't understand how the current economy works um, Mm -hmm. and how to work with the clients. But I think that people who get it, um, I think that people that can offer a great product at a great price um, that markets to sort of the way that people that are buying jewelry like millennials and Generation Z buy and consume will do really well. Because for them, it's a lot more about connection. It's a lot more about experience. It's a lot more about individuality and uniqueness. Um, and so I think we're going to see, you know, a better jewelry industry that's mm. going to serve a more diverse variety of people um, than, what we're car- than what we've currently seen
1: up until now. Yeah. I mean, um, it's, uh, li- they, it's, you know, they have to kind of listen to what people want now versus, right. you know, whatever their p- 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 notion is of that, of what that should be or, you know.
0: Correct. And also social media is playing a very big role in it because, you know, the jewelry industry, because it works with inexpensive, luxurious, high-end commodity, has always been exceptionally conservative to their detriment. And I think now more and more, you know, brands are really, have really been getting on board in the last couple of years trying to you know get a pulse on social media and get out there and reach people because that is the way that young people are shopping and consuming um commodities so if you're not there if you're not putting out interesting and unique content you're not going to get those eyes you're not going to get those buyers and i think that that's a lot of that is changing right now in the jewelry industry and has been changing for the past couple years and that's really what in many ways has hurt a lot of businesses, is their inability to sort of change and realize that the industry has completely changed. So the, the jewelers who get that, the jewelers who capitalize on that are the jewelers that are going to be around in 10, 20, 30 years. And the jewelers who don't are going to shutter. And I think that in many ways, that's for the better because we want to be evolving. We want to be changing. We want to be meeting the needs of the people who are ultimately coming to us to buy a product from us.
1: Yeah, well, Ariel, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Your insight was eye-opening, um, you know, and uh, I, I hope that you have a, an amazing week. And I'm excited to see, you know, where you, where you go in the future with this. And I'll definitely be, um, you know, checking out your, your blog for sure.
0: Awesome. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much once again to Arielle, a.k.a. the Gem Therapist, for joining us this week. It was a blast, and I learned so much, I hope you all did too, about the gem industry and the jewelry industry. Have a great and fabulous week.